Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From Call of Duty to Candy Crush. These days, video games are more accessible than ever. But do the on-screen characters reflect the diversity of those playing IRL? As a woman and a lesbian, the answer is no. It's always been a struggle to find myself reflected in mainstream video games, not to mention gaming communities. That's today's producer, Alice Taplin. Growing up, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon and Rayman were some of my most beloved games. And I'm not alone. This is the view of LGBT students on campus in the UK. My favourite video game. Ah, oh, jeez, I haven't played video games in a long time. One from when I was a kid would be um, uh, Spyro. Super Mario Bros. Top Spin 4. I used to love Vice City because I really just loved driving around in my car in the 80s in the rain, but I never played the missions. I just drove around in the car and listened to the radio. Sims, probably. <laughs> As I grew up, and with graphics and storylines becoming more developed, I couldn't help but want to play as someone like me. So of course, I did the inevitable. I started playing The Sims, and I made every single one of them gay. And this seems to be a universal experience. Yep, me too. If I couldn't cope with being queer, then maybe being queer in virtual reality might help me out. Right? I think my first experience of an LGBT character in a video game, like for many people, will be making two men kiss in The Sims, right? And even though that's not, I suppose, an LGBT storyline, it's just an acceptance that this kind of relationship is normal, it can happen, and when you're playing that as a kid and you can put your characters together how you want to, it is exciting and, and freeing. That's Chris from London gaming community Gamers Inc. Get it? Gamers? It's good. More from Chris later. On this week's Hashtag Queer AF, a brief history of queer representation in video games with me, Jamie Wareham, and reporter Alice Taplin. So fast forward to 2019 and video games seem to have become a whole lot gayer and not just on the indie gaming scene. LGBT plus characters are being featured in many major games, like Ellie, everyone's favourite zombie fighting lesbian in The Last of Us. And also the popularity of role-playing games has given players a whole host of gender and sexuality options. So all this got me thinking, how did we go from seemingly no LGBT plus characters to so many? Clearly I was missing a piece of the puzzle. 
And that's how me and Jamie first met, making a podcast together called Double Tap. Totally. With one of the highlights of the show being us playing Goat Simulator. And, and by playing, I obviously mean me failing at Goat Simulator. I like, I quite like jumping a lot. It's quite like Goatalicious. 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 <laughs> oh my God. So, um, tell me, Alice. Mm-hmm. How do I win Goat Simulator? You don't. Oh. <laughs> well, we know how to have fun. But it did also allow us to explore LGBT plus identities in games for the first time. It was something that we discussed a lot on the show. So today, to hark back to our time on that piece of broadcasting history, let's delve further into queer gaming than we ever did before. Okay, so Alice, are we actually able to say what the first ever LGBT plus video game was? It's difficult to truly say, but the character who's most widely recognised as being the first is Vivian from the 1986 game Moon Mist. Although she's hardly a starring role, her only plotline being that she's jealous of her girlfriend marrying a man. 1986? Cool. So that means that LGBT plus characters have been around for a while then. Although, unsurprisingly, these characters were filled with misrepresentations and stereotypes. Take Birdo, for example, first seen in 1988's Super Mario Bros. 2. When the game was released in the US, her description in the manual was that Birdo thinks he is a girl, which is obviously all sorts of problematic. And has the Mario franchise actually treated Birdo any better since? (laughs) That's debatable. There's the odd reference to her gender here and there, but nothing concrete, and it's subject to much discussion. And I'm guessing that's because, like, Nintendo has a history of being a more socially conservative company? Yeah, although actually a lot of early LGBTQ characters were found in surprising places, like fighting games. Street Fighter character Eagle, for example, who first appeared in 1987, is a known tribute to Freddie Mercury, and of course that's triggered a bunch of debates surrounding his sexuality for years. What we do know about him is that some of his original Japanese wing quotes were censored in North American versions of the game, and that included him saying things like he's not into young ladies and calling another guy a beauty. So I guess you can make your own mind up there. As well as LGBT plus representations being hard to find, it's also important to note that a lot of the characters were non-playable upon their first release. But why does that playable factor matter? Here's Chris from Gamers Inc. You know, I can't actually remember playing any video games where the central storyline was about a gay character or an LGBT character. And maybe that speaks volumes about how many options there are out there. The main game I play that's got gay characters in it would be Overwatch, where some of the heroes in that have LGBT backstories. But that doesn't really factor into the game itself. You're not aware of that when you're playing against friends online because it's not a story-based game. It's just an online fighting game, right? So the, the fact that some of the characters are lesbian or gay or have bisexual tendencies or whatever, that just doesn't factor into the game. It's just something that you might be aware of if you've read into their backstory. Having said that, I think the fact that those characters exist and are there and have LGBT backstories is incredibly important because there's there's been a lifetime of straight white male video game characters to, to choose from and nobody's ever going to take them away from you. You will always have them. They will always still be there. It doesn't hurt, I think, in my view 
to put some diversity into the pot to have some different characters. It is interesting sometimes to to see how kind of affronted some gamers get when they find out that one of the characters in Overwatch is gay. I think recently they said Soldier 76, they hinted that he'd had a gay relationship in the past and people were really cross about it. And it's like, it doesn't even affect your gameplay. It doesn't have any bearing. It's not a game about making two characters kiss. It's a game about shooting each other in a multiplayer online arena. So the fact that Soldier 76 might be gay it just has no bearing on the game. It's so unimportant. But I think for people who are LGBT, especially for younger people, they can see that character and see that it's acceptable. It's okay to be gay. So when we get into the 1990s, there's this massive increase in the amount of LGBT plus characters. For example, the 1994 game Darkstalkers The Night Warriors featured a playable bisexual Morrigan, and she's also the main protagonist of the series. She's a succubus and she's been seen to tempt both male and female characters. And that's cool, but a little subtle unless you're looking for it. Classic and endless are they, aren't they? Reddit debates to be had there, I guess. And role-playing games started to provide players with a bit more solidity when it came to their characters' sexuality around this time, letting them enter into relationships with other characters regardless of gender for the first time. And I can definitely think of one of my first role-playing series that was ahead of its time in the 90s. Uh-oh, I feel another classic Alice Taplin Fallout geek out coming on. Yep, I can't help myself. The series was released in 1997, although there were some restrictions on your character depending on what gender they were. However, only a year later, Fallout 2 featured a storyline where your character may end up marrying another character of the same gender, which in 1998 was obviously way before equal marriage was allowed in the US, or any country for that matter. And I guess that makes sense considering the game is set in 2241 and the other characters are probably too busy fighting off irradiated giant bugs to really care whether your character is marrying someone of the same gender. Sure. And developer Tim Kane, who's openly gay himself, he previously said that the decision to include that storyline was actually part of a wider effort by the creators to push boundaries in other ways than just violence. So, as the new millennium broke, things must have been getting a little less subtle and a little more solid. Finally, everyone's favourite life simulation game was released. Right, of course, The Sims came out in 2000. And did it always feature the ability to have gay and bisexual sims? It did. In fact, Maxis, the game's creators, had been big allies from the start. In 2001, they even aired a TV ad for the game that showed a man in a club flirting with some women until he is drawn away to dance with a very attractive man. I knew I loved The Sims for a reason. Me too. And then there was the endless countless hours I spent on RuneScape, the massively multiplayer online role-playing game released in 2001. And that features the trans character Angoth, a crystal shapeshifter. Players can discover a diary entry from her, which says, In many ways, I am more myself than I have ever been. I am no longer that little boy that felt trapped in a skin that never really was his own. She also tells players things like, This body was born incorrectly, and what I was is irrelevant. What I am is all that matters. Uh, Far Cry from early Super Mario depiction of trans women then. And it was only up from there. 2005's Jade Empire and 2009's Dragon Age also featured LGBT plus characters. You've got Assassin's Creed, Borderlands, Mass Effect. And if you want to geek out on even more games that feature LGBT plus characters, check out lgbtqgamearchive.com. They have so much for you to sink your teeth into. After the break, 
Alice goes deeper into queer geekery and chats to the gamers about how they've created a queer gaming community. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Hashtag QueerAF podcast that commissions students, graduates, and LGBT plus reporters to tell queer stories, a project by National Student Pride. I'm Jamie Worm, and this week, Alice Taplin is giving us a brief history to queer gaming history. Representation has definitely got better since those early days, with options for a whole host of gaming styles and identities out there. Plus, with gaming stores like Steam gaining immense popularity, it's now easier than ever to look beyond mainstream games and find some amazing indie games that feature brilliant stories and representations. So why does LGBT plus representation in games count so much? I spoke to Chris Fox, who's part of the crew that runs Gamers Inc., a community of LGBTQ gamers based in London. Gamers Inc. is basically a community group for LGBT video gamers. We have a Facebook group for people who like to play games online and we also throw really big events. So at least once a month, we hire out a pub in South London and fill it with 20 TVs and consoles, all different types from your PS4s and your Xboxes to Nintendo Switch. We have retro games and even Just Dance. So there is something for everyone. So why do you host these sorts of events? One of the reasons we throw these events is because it gives you a way to meet people that doesn't involve going out drinking or going clubbing. It's a different space for LGBT people to come together. And video games are also a really good icebreaker. So you can just grab a controller with someone, say hi, what are you playing? And go head to head with someone. And very soon you're having a conversation. You've got something to talk about. It's a really good way to meet new people and spark up a conversation. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely important to have alternative LGBT spaces that aren't just limited to clubs. Not everybody wants to go drinking. Not everybody wants to meet people in that sort of environment. And that's okay. But why not just create online LGBT groups? I think online gaming isn't always the most welcoming thing for LGBT people. You know, you get abuse, sometimes you get slurs thrown around in the voice chat. So we really want to give people a like-minded community of people to play with online and also a like-minded community of people to play with in person and meet up with. So with more large gaming companies like PlayStation appearing at places like London Pride, is this kind of a sign that the gaming community is now a lot more open to LGBT people? 
One of my proudest moments working with Gamers Inc. so far was Pride last year, where we got to organise the official Nintendo Pride party, and it was a huge celebration. It was the first time they'd done something that big. We kind of had asked whether we could work with them on it, and you know, Nintendo, being a Japanese company, are usually a bit more conservative with things like that. They don't usually kind of go on the record and and support causes like that. So for Nintendo to get involved with us and throw a big party with their logo on it. And the pride flag, I think, was a really proud moment for me and also showed just how mainstream and how widely accepted the LGBT community is now. What I've learned from running Gamers Inc. is that video games really can bring people together, especially when it's small games or like couch co-op games like Mario Kart. They can be such a good icebreaker. They do spark conversations. They get people interacting who might otherwise feel isolated or shy. But I've also learned that you know, gaming is only half the challenge. You still have to engage with people. You still have to look around the room and find the people who are feeling shy and quiet. You know, you've still got to talk to people and reach out because because as much as gaming can break the ice, I think we still have a duty and a responsibility to look out for one another and, you know, reach people who might be feeling like they're on their own. The reason I think events like ours work so well is that you don't have to be an expert at video games. Everyone's seen a games console, everyone's picked up a controller before, even if it's just a simple game like Mario Kart or Tetris or something like that. You can sit down with people and get to know each other in a real world environment and get to make real lasting friendships. And I think that's probably the reason why most cities around the world, big cities, have their own gamers group. There's Las Vegas gamers and New York gamers, San Francisco gamers. And in London, we have Gamers Inc. And that just speaks volumes about how important games are in bringing people together. And do you think that LGBT representation within games is what led to this wider acceptance in the wider community? I'm not the kind of person who says every game needs to have an LGBT character in it. I think gay people like to play games for exactly the same reason as everybody else. I think they're escapism, they like good stories, they like good gameplay, just like any other gamer. But what I think you achieve by adding some gay characters, even if it's only in the backstory, is that you take some of the venom out of the voice chat because people are less likely to throw around those insults in online games, I think, if some of the characters they're playing with are gay. So it's pretty easy to see how far video games and the gaming community in general has come in terms of representing and accepting the LGBTQ community. But of course, that doesn't mean we don't still have a ways to go, with gay characters often experiencing backlash from certain players when they're announced, and slurs still being widely used on online communities as Chris mentioned, it's just as important as it ever was that video games continue to represent a diverse array of identities. So whether it's Super Mario, Final Fantasy or The Sims, make sure you keep riding that rainbow road and showing everyone that LGBT video game characters are here to stay. That's it for this week's Hashtag Queer AF. Today's show was produced by Alice Taplin. 
executive production by me at Jamie underscore Wareham. Do you have a story to tell? This podcast pays LGBT plus producers, students and graduates to tell their most hashtag queer AF story. It's a project by National Student Pride. So email me, jamie at studentpride.co.uk if you want to pitch an episode or have a story to tell to one of our roll call of reporters. Subscribe to the podcast and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us put the show in front of more people's eyes and ears. Then share the Spotify link or just tell a friend about us. We're on all of the best podcast apps. We are hashtag QueerAF, and so are you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.